0: And welcome to episode 30 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast from Winning Edge Investments that aims to keep you on the right side of the betting ledger. My name is Rod Murray. Welcome along for the ride as myself and co-host John Evans do our best to not only entertain, but also educate a little about golf and its playing at the highest level. John's a former tournament player and lifetime punter, so he's ideally placed for duties as our resident expert I know how to press the big red button that says record, so I get to drag along on his goat t- coattails. We'll bring in Jay in just a moment to break down last week's bets and have a look ahead to this week. But before that, a reminder to check out the website of our partner, Winning Edge Investments. Golf's just a small part of what they do. They have several market-leading horse racing newsletters available for those who are interested in that pursuit. Of course, if you listening to this, we're also assuming you've got an interest in the greatest stick and ball game of them all. So we focus our attention on trying to select value-long-priced players but also dispense a little wisdom about the game along the way. If you do decide that you'd like to get John's full selections each week rather than just those we reveal here, there is a reward for you for listening to us, and that's a 25% discount off the price of a subscription for the life of the subscription. Just head to Winning Edge website at winningedgeinvestments.com, click the newsletter tab, then head to membership options. Alternatively, just have a look down below and you'll see a link or a couple of links in the show notes. Once you've selected the golf newsletter, enter the promo code GOLF25, and you'll get that discount. The price will come down from $150 per month to just $112.50. I don't need to say it again. That is terrific value. Three or 12-month subscription. You also get a profit guarantee. It's hard to imagine you could get a better deal if you're in the market for this kind of thing. That's enough of the admin. Let's talk golf and golf betting. JE, come in. Welcome. I think another bunch of close calls this past week, but we don't give up here on risk and
1: reward. Well, thank you, Rod. And I, I just want to make a point that a fellow on Twitter about 10 minutes ago asked me whether I played golf, and, uh, which I thought was pretty good because I've been doing it for 60 years. But um, anyway, yeah, well, last week uh, was perhaps the saddest story of the year. Uh, could have been a wonderful story. We Backed Scotty Brown at a thousand dollars, and uh, I had another go with one round to go at seven hundred and twenty dollars. So I was going to have a big, big payday. Unfortunately, Adam Scott did something which Adam Scott doesn't do very often. He held <laughs> <Holy holded parts. laughs> it and uh, he got up and down twice from two almost impossible situations yep. downwind out of the long grass with no green to work with. He threw it straight up in the air and hold about a 12 footer for a par and then he got behind a bunker when he shouldn't have. And uh, again, not an easy little pitch played away from the flag and hold another 10 footer for a birdie. And that was what Scotty Brown, who was sitting quietly in the clubhouse with his nine under par score and Looking, all my money.
0: Looking pretty good. I've got a mixed emotions, obviously, Jay. I think we're all glad to see when Adam Scott wins. It's good for the game. He's a terrific guy. I think most golf fans have a genuine liking for him. He's one of the good guys of golf. But that flop shot he hit that you're talking about, I can't recall exactly which hole it was on. He hit, He missed the green long and right. That was an extraordinary shot under that pressure. He took near enough to a full swing to hit the ball no more than 10 or 15 yards. And that takes real courage, doesn't it? Sunday afternoon with all of that on the line. I thought that was a really impressive shot and tells you something about what Scott's year this year might look like. Well, it's Tiger Woods like that shot. I mean,
1: yeah. you have to have... I mean, it isn't as hard a shot as it looks, except when you're leading... <laughs>
0: Sunday afternoon.
1: Yep. For four years, you're leading a tournament yeah. and you're in the rough and it's downwind. Yeah. That makes it just a fraction harder. Yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, that... Uh, and Adam Scott is a, is a great Australian ambassador for the game. But I must say that my uh, emotions were <laughs> much, much stronger, and my support from Scotty Brown. And I did throw a couple of darts at Adam as he was coming down the line. Yeah, indeed. And uh,
0: with the odds that were available on Scott Brown, what did you
1: say you started at, Scott Brown? Was it, it was $1,000. $1, but this is a really interesting thing about uh, betting on golf. He was seven hundred and sixty dollars or seven hundred twenty dollars with one round to go. Wow. And another player who finished another shot back was seven hundred sixty with one round to go. And wow. I backed them both. So you see, the market believes the leaders and the Kardashians are almost unbeatable. Yeah. But the reality is these guys can all win mm-hmm. and when they have a hot day yeah. they can get past everybody and that was the that was the message that, that, that my sort of gambling or my sort of uh, investing I think it's probably a better way to describe it where you find value long odds value mm-hmm. can have tremendous returns I mean I would have uh, the, the, the average punter who's a subscriber uh, he would have had $10,000 to 10 on Scotty Brown and you have that ability, as we know, that uh, if Scotty Brown gets down to $5, you can take a $1,000 out. And mm. if you if he gets down to $2, you can take another couple of thousand out. You win 3000 and Adam Scott wins. Yep. So I know that sounds a bit complicated and I haven't explained it very well, but that's, that's the advantage of betting and using our system. We identify these players at long odds and they get up Uh, on a strange number of occasions. Yeah, indeed. That would have been a hell of a
0: result. And you're right, of course, everybody looks at the leaderboard. They see Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Adam Scott at the top. They think, well, the winner's got to come from one of those three. Well, this time they're right, but there was no guarantees of that halfway through the front nine when Scott made a double and McIlroy made a triple, which he never came back from. So it was actually a really good finish, I thought, and a really interesting tournament. We've been been pretty lucky so far this year, J.E. All the tournaments have been interesting and good close finishes, it feels to me. A fair few playoffs already And the golf's been exciting uh,
1: Which yeah, well, it isn't I think, always I think the courses have been I mean Riviera was uh, I've played Riviera, it's disappointing I've been up there quite a few times
0: Yeah, It's money
1: but, so. uh, uh, It looked to me like um, A very, very interesting test yeah. And uh, obviously the, the, There were some issues with the um, Power and, and a power newer Greens I understand that but what's the amazing thing is here's all the great putters missing on the power inner, and here's Adam Scott, who's normally missing everything, holding them. So they him. would leave the hole, and he was the one that held them, and I think he probably put himself in the best places. that might be a big part of the yeah. explanation. He, he was
0: really out of position. That, that flop shot we talked about was one of the few occasions where he was out of position. That and you're right, that par five where he had to lay it up, was at 17, I think? That was a delightful, very nifty, and again... Courageous to hit away from the flag. That sounds ridiculous, but that takes some courage to hit away from the flag there, which he did, and he hit it about as good as you possibly could to about eight feet, as you said. Congratulations, Adam Scott, and commiserations, Scott Brown. And Adam Scott, you now owe JE about ten thousand bucks by my reckoning, which you can afford, frankly, J.E., so next time you see him, you should ask him for it. Uh, let's move on. Uh, was there any other... Uh, it was the main event last week, obviously, the Genesis, uh, and, of course, we had the Women's Australian Open. Was The mar- the market's very thin on the LPGA early in the year, J.E. Was there much on the uh, the Women's Australian Open worth looking at?
1: The only thing that I was disappointed was I put up Maria Fassi at $930, uh, which she would have been had the market been a bit... To stronger, um, she got out. She got out the nine hundred and thirty dollars, even a thousand dollars a couple of times. I put the nine hundred and thirty up. Four hundred and fifty was taken, and at one stage she was right in it. She had, she got three under par, I think, in the third or last round, mm-hmm. and then had a double bag, and then another birdie, and then had another double baggie, Otherwise, she'd have been right in the mix. A couple of loose and, shots, and and, and those, uh, so there, So that would have been a nice. Uh, a nice bet to have had. We didn't have it. We didn't lose it. We we didn't have a chance to win either. But anyway, that the markets are thin, and they're thin this week as well because it's a it's a field that that the, the bookmakers. Probably don't know half of them, so no, right. they're
0: going to be fairly um, protective of their market. So let's go there now. We're talking about the Australian Ladies Classic. It's a Ladies European Tour event, their first event of 2020 at Bonville here in Coffs Harbour. I'm actually on site working for the week at bonville I've come back to the motel to record this. all pretty noisy out there during tournament week, as you'd imagine, J.E. There's people all over the place. If you don't go to the golf very often, do yourself a favour and go. It's got a good energy about it. Golf tournaments have always got a good energy about them, even early in the week. Uh, it's good to be around the place. Uh, looks like we're betting on Bet365 this week for the women. As you said, I imagine that the markets would be thin. And by my reckoning, well, you've got three listed here already, two for podcast peak, Gillian Hollis and Becky Kay. Let's start with Gillian Hollis and explain to me why she's going to have some of JE's money on her this week in
1: Coffs Yeah, Gillian Hollis, I noted her and uh, tipped her last week because I noticed that she's come up through the ranks of the support. Some metro tour and uh, had two wins up there and shown a lot of promise and she came down to Australia first time and played very well and was right up there very early and, and hung in there uh, down at the Australian Open so this is a lesser quality field unfortunately we've got a lesser quality price too, I think we got about 300 last week but we've only got uh, $51 this week but uh, she's a she's a comer not a not my typical price, but it's hard to find my typical prices here with uh, with the women's men. They are. But um, the other one I like was Becky Kay at $276 each way on uh, Bet365. And my reasoning here is she's, uh, I think she might won one of the Australian Amateur Championships, women's amateur. She certainly won a couple of big amateur events. And she had the guts to play with the men last year at uh, at possibly the Queensland Open. PGA or uh, Open? I can't remember
0: which one, but yes, you're quite right. It was one of the two. Well, I think it might she have been at
1: Queensland Open, but it was yeah. it, anyway, it was, it, she it might have been even at Royal Queensland, but she, she stepped up and she actually played very well. And so if she's prepared to take on the men and show that she's got the ability to be able to play off the back tees against the men, then at $275 each way, $276 each way, she's got to be worth a try here. And this what what must be said is... Um, is uh, perhaps a third-tier women's event.
0: Yeah, so it's not the strongest field. There are a couple of standouts in the field, but not too many of them, as you say. Iron Cho, interestingly, is backing up and playing this week. I would have thought she would have been in the field for the Thailand event, which has since been cancelled, but she was obviously already entered for here. Very different golf course this week, J.E., for those who played at 13th Beach and Royal Adelaide. This is a completely different experience this week. This course at Bonville. Uh, Bermuda grass, much more tropical sort of weather, it's extremely humid out there, much more aerial style of golf, much less opportunity to get the ball on the ground and bouncing toward the hole and feed the ball. So it's, uh, well, it's an adjustment, isn't it? The tournament players make constantly, I'm constantly staggered by how quickly these players do make these adjustments. But you couldn't imagine two golf courses more disparate, more polar opposite than Royal Adelaide and Pondville, I wouldn't have thought.
1: Now, yeah, well, Bonneville, as, as you remarked earlier, uh, well, is uh, a lot of greens that are on plateaus above the level of the fairway, and that's going to require players with good iron distance control and and also flight yeah. and height. Yeah. And uh, perhaps, is Anne Van Damme playing this week? Anne Van, Van
0: Damme is playing this week and went all right here last year, so I would uh, she will be at short odds in this field, I would think. Too short for you. Uh, yeah, well she
1: was, she was. But but just just as a, a word to the wise, Ann Van damme has got the kind of game that this course would probably suit better. Best much. of all of the players. And the other one is Esther Henselot, who's he's uh, also a long, strong, high ball hitter. So um, I'm not tipping those players because of our uh, our value philosophy. They they represent no gambling value, but. They are possible winners.
0: You're showing off your
1: golf knowledge, and there's nothing wrong with that, Jay. You like really a bit of a show-off from time to time. i uh, ain't only just playing, according to this bloke. 60 years I've been at it. Been at it. <laughs> just it. I must have made a very, very crude and rude remark. One can only imagine,
0: Jay. I might have to go and have a look at your Twitter feed to see that exchange. Let's move a little bit further north to Queensland. The Queensland Open being played this year. New course at the Pelican Waters uh, course, a Greg Norman-designed golf course there at Caboolture, sort of halfway between Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast, maybe a little bit closer to the Sunshine Coast than Brisbane. So no horses for courses here. They've not played this uh, this course before. Christopher Wood and Gavin Fairfax, your two picks. This also looks, in betting terms, a little bit thin. And again, you've gone with Bet365 rather than Betfair.
1: No betting on Betfair. In fact, no betting on Betfair on the women either. That's why we're here on Bet365. But I did find a couple that I thought uh, represented value. Christopher Wood... We tipped him last week. Uh, he was at a thousand dollars, and this is not a much different field. But he played very, very solidly. I think he might have had four rounds in the 60s. So he certainly had the first three rounds were in the 60s, and he was he was under par with a few holes to play in the last round. There was a bit of chaos and mayhem on the back nine up there. Whether they were all choking or the, or the weather or the wind blew around, I'm not sure. But I did watch it, but there was, it was a bit hard to determine that from coverage uh, was, was a scoring kerfuffle as well towards the end there. J.E.
0: Scott Arnold, they had him in at thirteen under. He was only actually at twelve under, and then they had to go until Brad Kennedy, as he was playing the last hole, that the target was twelve, not thirteen, and he then made a double bogey. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a kerfuffle towards the end of the tournament, just to, just to add to what was a confusing finish. It's such a low scoring golf course up there at Pacific. You, you look at the leaderboard, you can't imagine the scoring. A couple of guys shot sixty one there this year, so it's it's sort of tough to keep up, but. Um, Clearly good from Christopher Wood. Gavin Fairfax, this is a player I'm not particularly familiar with, J.E., so I'll be interested to hear your reasoning here.
1: Well, I'll go back a step um, because I'd tipped Scotty Arnold at $1,000 and I'd tipped him every week (laughs) in the last five weeks. Until. (laughs) And he had a good round. He did play quite well down at the Vic Open, and so they shortened him up. So me being the canny punter I am, I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to back in this week. And he, and he did it. He could have, he, he, the only reason he didn't win was because um, the winner, who who, uh, who who played unbelievably well, all of a sudden in one of the playoff holes drove it in behind the root of a tree. And I thought, hey, and my man was down the middle of the fairway and whacked it on the green. I thought, to so myself, I'm in here. And, and unfortunately, he chipped it out um, knocked it on the green hole about a forty footer to keep going. So Michael Sim. Scotty so, Arnold Scotty Arnold could have been a sad story for me having tipped him and then the one week I didn't tip him in nearly won it.
0: Another one because, of Brad Hughes's. He's been working with Brad Hughes, found him on That's
1: that really interested in me because as people will know, Scotty and Jamie Arnold, Jamie's on the web dot Ferry. whatever they call that tour now. He's on that tour over there in the US. And his, he and his brother, Scotty, are sons of Colin Arnold, who is the pro at uh, Cronulla. Cronulla here in Sydney, yes. But Colin Arnold is a very interesting bloke because as a young man, he worked for Billy McWilliam at Beverly Park, and Billy McWilliam touted him as a better young player at the age of 16 than Bruce Crampton, who people remember. Well, that's a rat. <laughs> Goodness me. He won about 14 US tour events. He a bad player. And Scotty Arnold won the Australian Amateurs. So Scotty was, the, if you like, the anointed son of, of, of a superstar to be. And it, as it turned out, it was Jamie who came out of the woodwork and, and became, at this point in time was considered to be the best player. But Scotty got on the phone or went onto the internet and found Brad Hughes, and Brad Hughes has done another miracle work. So um, and I'm impressed with Brad Hughes as, as uh, golfing intelligence and teaching methods, I'm very impressed, and he's proving it in more ways than one. If you can do it on, with a video, he's very good.
0: It so- seems to me he gives the players back some joy in the game. The worst thing that can happen for a professional player is to stop enjoying it, which can happen when they start to play badly, not always, but to really stop enjoying it. Scott Arnold talked about just not enjoying being on the course and seriously thinking about perhaps giving it away. Uh, and what, what he does, I think, Brad Hughes, he seems to give those players, or perhaps players of a certain era, they get the joy back in the game. It's a, it's almost like they put on a pair of old slippers and they go, oh, that's right, this is how you swing the club and play the game. Once they start hitting it out of the middle again, back comes the joy, and once they're in a good mood, well, we can see from Scott Arnold, Brendan Todd, several others, Greg Chalmers, took a year, had a year off the game and is playing nicely again this year working with Hughes. It's a... It's a really neat trick that I think Brad is, is, is doing with these guys. And I don't mean that in the sense that it's some kind of smoke and mirrors. What he's, teach- what he's doing for them is giving them back a golf game that I think a lot of them have lost, perhaps partly because of the modern swing and the modern equipment and the way things are compared to when they probably all started learning the game.
1: Well, the thing about Brad Hughes' simple method is... You say he gives back the joy in the game. I want to tell you there's no joy when you're hitting one 100 yards right and the next 100 yards left. That's that's the, that's the complete opposite of joy.
0: do need to tell me, J.E.
1: He's <laughs> got them working on what he calls the 430 path, which is obviously the inside to win swing, which is natural. You can't mm. do it much the other way, but a lot of people perhaps try to. And all of a sudden they start flushing the ball and while they might miss it to the right for a period of time, it all works itself back in, and now they got rid of the left miss, yeah. and now they've got chance And And I'm so impressed with the simplicity of his method. That's yeah. t- he's not he's teaching really, them how complicated. No, complicated. He's merely teaching them to go back to the simple structure of the game. So, anyway, Scotty Arnold, he's, he's, he, forget him, he's not here. He might be here, actually. But- uh, no, he's
0: not playing this week. I had a look in there. And I, but-
1: actually, yeah, he no, is,
0: but- my, my apologies, I think he is actually playing, but I think he's... A- Shortish odds are. To he's twenty-four dollars. Awesome. He's twenty-four dollars. He got me. Not in your but realm.
1: Get back to, tell you why about Gavin Fairfax. Because yes. this is you'll love this. Gavin Fairfax, a friend of mine, is as you well know, is Phil Baird, the proud manly. Yes. And He's got an unbelievable team down there. Some very good players: Taylor Cooper, Anna Young. A Japanese father and mother called Ricky Kato, and Ricky's, oh,
0: and Ricky's a Ricky's very, good
1: very good player. And, yeah, indeed. And actually had a Japanese tour card, and is waiting to go back up to Japan to utilise his Japanese tour card. Very good player, very strong, and a lovely guy, very bright. And I said to him one day, Ricky, you have a bit of a punt. He said, Who do you think's going to play well in the Aussie Open? He said, He said, Jay, this one bloke way over there. You know, Denzel, I remember. Denzel, I I said, okay, so I put Denzel in. He was about 600 to 1. Mm-hmm. Denzel came out and finished in the top 10 and played like hell, and I thought, oh, this boy knows what he's about. So, being the uh, ferret I am, I rang up Ricky again. Oh, Ricky, what have you got this week? He said, Gavin Fairfax. Okay. So, Gavin, he told me last week, actually, but Gavin missed the cut last week, but I thought, I'll oh, put Gavin in this week because Ricky's. A, Ricky's um, He's a, he's a meister. Good judge. So here we go. It, this is the Ricky Cato tip, $401. And yeah, there, uh, there, thanks, if, okay. he gets, if he gets up, the people will cancel their subscription and ring up Ricky. <laughs> That's
0: right. The phone will be ringing off the Call hook every from- Wednesday
1: <laughs> <laughs> at the Manly
0: Golf Club. Again, very different golf course this week to last for those playing on the Men's field. Pelican Waters is a, a, more longer, a longer and more open sort of a golf course, more... Probably a bit more ground game involved, so it'll be interesting to see which players come to the fore. Keeping that in mind, let's head over to the US, J.E. Well, not quite the US, Puerto Rico, a little island off the US. This is the opposite field event. There's a World Golf Championship in Mexico, which we'll come to shortly. But let's start with the Puerto Rico Open, where Scott Brown is a former winner, though not at this course, interestingly enough. And for podcast peak... Again, Bet365 for some of these bets. This one is on Bet365. Brian Davis at $1,500. That's a name that will be pretty familiar to some of a certain a vintage, I would think.
1: Well, Brian Davis, the English pro, who has been playing the US Tour for many years. Doesn't play as many events nowadays, but when he pops up, he pops up... Um, Let well, just check here. He pops up quite often out of the blue and this is a second-class field. The good players are playing in Mexico, or, or the supposed good players are playing in Mexico. And uh, he's got a bit of form here. He's, he's had a couple of... He's been made the cut twice out of the last three times. And, it, and I thought $1,500 each way, which means you're getting $375 to be in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Davis can do that. Yep. And let's assume that he finished in the top 10 and you've lost your win bet because he doesn't win. Of course, if he wins, you're a jazz. He doesn't win. You've got actually $187.50 for the top 10, not a bad bet. Yes. So people. that's yeah. why we got him in there. He's, it's all about the odds and the fact that uh, Brian Davis is a better player. He, he's just playing less golf. Yep. Um, because I think he must be forty-six or forty-seven. He's, he's got to be
0: approaching center. I'm convinced that he played in the final group at the Bridgestone, the WGC at um, the Bridgestone. At uh, I don't think it was a WGC at the time. At Firestone, the year that Tiger won in the dark, when all the crowd had the cigarette lighters out around the the eighteenth green. I'm pretty sure Brian Davis was playing either with him or in the group ahead.
1: Tiger beat. I think he might have been the one Tiger beat. But anyway, he's hmm. he's um. Remember, he's only a couple of years older than Tiger, so, yeah, that's right. so. so uh, I, I, he doesn't play very often. That's why he got out in these big odds, so I just plucked him out of there for that reason. Fair
0: enough. Let's go over to Betfair, and you've got, well, on my list, you've got Sang Moon Bay and Ricky Barnes. You're recommending for podcast, Pete. Justify yourself, please.
1: Uh, well, Sang Moon Bay was an extremely uh, high-rated, high-quality player who did his two-year's compulsory military service in career and he's come back he's popped up a couple of times uh early on and then faded away. But this is just the kind of event where a man of his class might uh mm-hmm. might come out of the woodwork and I think he was something like two hundred and fifty dollars. Uh you, I think I've backed him on bet three six I? Have I backed him on
0: uh, I've got him on bet- Betfair on my list at two hundred and thirty dollars
1: for point one okay. units. But, okay, well uh, he's, he's He's two fifty, and uh, I wouldn't be. I'd, I'd be happy with betting either each way or, or on bet three six five or or to take the take the long odds, longer odds, slightly longer odds on the, on betfair either way. I think he's going to. He's like some you'll know, after they get out of that business and they they have to come back and eventually restart. Yeah. They're like I said, two week, two years off for of medical reasons. So. It just takes them a little bit of time to get back into the competitive milieu, and I'm pretty sure uh, it'll happen shortly, and we want to be on him when he does. Yep, very much so. Couldn't have more. Ricky Barnes? But the other player is Ricky Barnes. Now He's definitely not on Bet365. He's only $175 over there, but he's 480 on Betfair. And Ricky Barnes, former US Amateur winner, and has started to show a little bit more form in the last few months. Uh, It's been a bit of an anomaly, really, because those guys were in the US Amateur, generally become very successful pros. Uh, Kucha, Tiger, obviously, he won three times, and and, a a lot of them come out and uh, and make a big Mm -hmm. uh, impact on the US tour. Barnes has made very little impact. but he's kept his card, and uh, I just thought he got out 480 with a bit of form lately. It was was uh, well overs, and obviously the bookies thinking 175 dollars. He ought to be shorter. Yep. So I, I
0: actually really think that's a, a a good pick. He's a he's a better player than he well he always looked a better player than his resume suggests. So he did contend, if I'm not mistaken, at the U.S. Open at Bethpage Black. Year that uh, Lucas Glover won. 2009, if I'm not mistaken, it was a very wet condition and uh, he was there and thereabouts at the end. Let's go to the Mexico Championship or the WGC Mexico Championship, World Golf Championship, obviously. So it's a, a strange sort of field, very top heavy, but then you get these other players from around the world who are not quite unknowns, but they're not as credentialed as some of the very top PGA Tour players who will be in the field. Uh, But that means that there's some good value betting. And this golf course that they're playing this week, J.E., is a bizarre golf course for a professional tournament. It's claustrophobic with the trees. Uh, You can be on the fairway and blocked out by trees from tiny little greens that putt at an unusual speed. They're playing at altitude so the ball goes forever. It's tended to throw up good winners in a field as as class as this. You'd expect the cream to rise to the top. But there's value betting to be had. So you've gone with... Pablo Larajabal, or Larathabal, Carlos Ortiz for the win. $750 Larathabal and $220 Ortiz. Tell me first about Pablo.
1: Pablo's beaten these guys Mm -hmm. uh, in the desert in Dubai. Um, A sort of very much Spanish, irrepressible nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fearless, Uh, doesn't mind... um, obviously speaks the lingo over there, Spanish being the language of choice in Mexico. Uh, I just thought he got out to crazy odds at $750. Uh, We've seen him under the extreme pressure of playing against the best in the WGC previously uh, come through, or event at least it's equivalent. And uh, I just thought he was out to ridiculous odds. And and he's one of those guys, he he might miss the cut, but... um, if there is a cut here, but, but no, no not, cut, so yeah, so yeah, anyway, he, right he, he gets away to a flying start. He's not terrified of winning in this company, yeah. so that was why I picked him. Yep, fair enough. Carlos um, Ortiz Carlos is uh, uh, the rise of the Mexican uh, quality professional in the last five or six years has, has not been surprising to me. Some of them have obviously gone to college in the US, but. Uh, Abraham answer, we've seen him down here, and and uh, his his form's been fantastic. He's but he's fifty five dollars this week, so I like to see these guys in their own country. They they're going to have a big cheer squad. Um, they've got he's got tremendous ability. This guy, he, I don't I'm not sure he's won, but he's definitely run second. Uh, he
0: won on the Corn Ferry Tour went back when it was the web.com tour. In fact, I think he, he won the Order of Merit or the, the money list on that tour maybe three or four years ago to get to the PGA Tour. He hasn't been as yeah, good he, since, but he's... he's no, no, he's run a,
1: he ran second about... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he ran second this year, yeah. I think. In, I think he might actually. the pre-season. He wouldn't have got a game otherwise. Yeah. No. So... Uh, I I just he, he's the he's the longest priced Mexican with a chance, which is why I put him in there to be to be frank. But um, the other guy I wanted to mention, uh, which I probably haven't put on asterisk beside for you, is our old mate Zach Murray.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now Zach Murray, he went he went over to New Zealand, and I watched him win the New Zealand Open, and I thought this kid's got a lot of game. He's pretty mm-hmm. impressive, and under the hammer. The last night, he was fearless. He just hit the shots he had to hit, and there are some tricky little shots out there on the back nine at the hills. He got around there and got the money there. I think he might have even got up and down on the last from an impossible position to, to win. But then he went over to Europe, his first tournament in Europe, and I think he led after two rounds and finished 15th. Now, here's a guy who's jumped up from the amateur class that he was in when he became a pro to win the New Zealand Open. Then he jumped up in class to the European Tour and finished 15th, first of start. He's got a game here. Who's to say that he's not a class jumper? He's, he's, so,
0: the, he's there with a set of golf clubs, J.E. He's a better chance than you and me. Uh, lovely young bloke, too. Also,
1: also he's a $1,000. Which uh, doesn't hurt. And, uh, you know, for a guy that, that's, that's shown that that uh, you're not terrified of the level. Um, Mm. You know, every now and then you get a player who comes out and he's good enough to do that. And obviously tiger was, uh, Peter thompson was, and, uh, you know, we could probably name a few others who've come out as young people and just gone straight to the top. This kid impresses me. So that's why I've got him in there.
0: And might be one of the nicest blokes in Australian golf. Genuinely good guy with a terrific sense of humour. Very down to earth, very laid back, uh, perfect yeah, well, attitude for the game.
1: So all of that impressed me when he made his speech in, in New Zealand. He, he found a Maori cloak and stuck it on. He's
0: yeah.
1: not frightened to be uh, the centre of attention, and, uh-huh. and, and that's a pretty important part of this this, this business. So, yeah. so there, my winning bets. You got a you got a bonus one there you didn't know about, so that's okay. And then in the place, I've got a few. Guys in the top uh, 20, mm-hmm. but I found one, Scott Hend. Mm-hmm. Our old mate, $26 for the top 20. Now, people might remember that Scotty Hend is one of those guys that when he plays well, he plays well, and it's uh, immaterially. At one stage, I think he was tied for the lead at Firestone in the World Series at WGCFN. Mm-hmm. So, I just thought that Scotty Hinn represented the best value in the top 20 bets, and that's why I've got him in there, $26 top 20. Now, Scotty Hinn has a good first round. He won't falter. He'll no. just keep coming. Couldn't agree more. He's,
0: when he's good, he's unbelievably good. Uh, and when he's bad, he shrugs it off and just keeps playing until he's good again. Uh, terrific uh, terrific guy, really good player. Exciting to watch too. And any time you bet on Scotty Hend, you get your value for money. It's always a roller coaster with Scotty Hens, so uh, I like that bet as well. Well, lots of golf, lots of golf to look forward to this week, J.E. We are, of course, marching inexorably towards the first major of the year, so the golf season starts to get quite serious in the U.S. From about this point on, uh, March is obviously uh, the lead-up to the Masters, so there'll be an awful lot of players jockeying positions. We'll have to see some scheduling things and who's going to play where and as they get ready for the Masters, but a uh, big week this week to lead us into that. Uh, let's hope that one or more those get up. That would be fantastic to see. It's been great to talk to you today, as it always is. Thank you, my friend.
1: Thank you, Rod, and enjoy your, your weekend up there at the ladies. Um, I'm sure they're, uh, I'm sure there's, uh, it'll be a great weekend. But, uh, they're telling me it's a beautiful place. It, I haven't been... You'll back me up on this, J.E.,
0: and I wish it was the motto for golf tours worldwide, and it's just simply, there's nothing like live golf. even we we, we who know that forget over the course of the year where we only have access to it on television you forget just what a joy it is to watch the players live and up close to get to stand behind them and near them and watch the shots and feel the wind and see the distances and watch the flight of the ball It's it's a much more immersive experience than what you could ever get on television, not television's fault you just can't convey all of those things on TV but uh, the, the 18th hole here at Bonville, for people who are familiar, with, it's a par five where you drive from bottom of the hill to the top of the hill, then it sweeps down and you look over the green and the clubhouse, and there's some water short. So it's a it's a spectacular looking shot. The players will be hitting anywhere from a a hybrid to perhaps a three wood from up the top of the hill there, off a slight downhill lie, trying to work it into a green that really needs a right to left shot, and lots of crowds on Sunday afternoon. It's a it all sets up beautifully for, and uh, you can't. I mean, those moments you can't explain to people. I, I stood last year at the end of the third round. Madeline Sagsham was leading, and she had just that shot from the top of the hill there at Bumble, and the wind was swirling. She had to wait for the green to clear. She was just standing there leaning on her three-wood. I think she was one in front at the time, and if she'd made three there, she'd have gone three ahead, and you would have almost closed the door, J.E. And so you, you can't recreate that on television. You, you knew this was a moment, an important moment, a big moment, and here was a... A talented player facing a big moment, making a you know an important decision about what she was going to do. That that moment could have really switched the whole tournament. As it turns out, she missed it to the right. She got it up and down. I didn't get it up and down. I think mean, she made par. Uh, but the that re- that emotion and being there as part of that it's electric. You can't recreate it, Jay. You know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't been to the golf, you're doing yourself a disservice. It is, and it doesn't matter what level of professional golf you go to watch. The quality of the golf is good. And you get to see some of those
1: moments, and you you miss out on that on TV. I reckon, Jay. There's nothing better than live golf. You're missing it out on the way that the directors and producers seem to be showing it on TV. They're just, they're, they're, if there's any crucial shot, they seem to go to an ad break. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. As soon as
0: they but get I, you in, try to sell you something. So.
1: Yeah, but uh, I, exactly. But I, um, I, as you know, I'm 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 getting close to the deadline. And my new hip comes up next Friday, so. I haven't been able to see as many live golf tournaments as I would like, but the two I have seen, are recently, Australian Open and the uh, and particularly the Presidents Cup, it was a great. I mean, you you could not you could not believe the atmosphere, the buzz, and the interest that was at Royal Melbourne for the Presidents Cup live. I mean, it was, and I watched a bit of it on TV, and it was. It obviously you saw much more of the contest there. But uh, uh, you just, when you're out on the course and scrabbling for a position where you could see and try to get over the, the six foot tall black with a, <laughs> long, a long hair in front of you yeah. and through the gap and he'd move his head. But it was all fantastic. And yeah. uh, um, I think, I think um, the other thing about it is there's a lot of golfers there who are keen to have a chat and have a good time and oh. they're enjoying Themselves and it is—it is—they are fun places to be. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Couldn't couldn't recommend it more. If
1: you've got the opportunity to come here to
0: Bonville this week, or Pelican Waters, or if you happen to be international and you get the chance to go to Mexico or to Puerto Rico and have a look at it, do yourself a favour. If you're a golf fan, go and do it because it really is. That Melbourne's Cup was that—that that Presidents' Cup, sorry, at Royal Melbourne. That was a privilege, J.E. to be there. For that. We saw something quite special there. I thought from Tiger in particular over that week and it was a, a real privilege to be there. it's one that I'll put in the memory banks and never forget. That was uh something
1: really special. So that's the tip. Get to the, the pleas it was a pleasure for me, right? Because I had I would never been a, a journalist before, although I had been a commentator for twenty years, but yeah. I'd never actually been a proper job journalist. you're enough
0: of a rogue, you tick all the boxes, so there's no I problem had there.
1: qualifications with me, my badge, and uh gave me access to about two thirds of the place. But where normally, as a player, I always had access to wherever I wanted to go. That was okay. And uh, and, and I wanted to thank you for your most valued contributions to my very paltry efforts. <laughs>
0: Literally, J.E., the least I could do. And I'm always up for the least that I can do. So you, exactly. can, you can count on that into the future. Uh, let's wrap it up. Talk to you next week, J.E. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Rob. Episode 30, Risk and Reward, done and dusted. We'll be back again next week to see how all those bets went and look ahead to what we might be betting on next week here on Risk and Reward.